DiscerningHearts.com presents Fountains of Grace, Reflections on Contemporary Spiritual Classics with Donna Garrett. In this particular series of episodes, Donna discusses with Father James Perez The Way of Trust and Love, a retreat guided by St. Therese, written by Father Jacques Philippe. John Paul II has said, The little way is the way of spiritual childhood. This way contains something unique that is a part of the genius of St. Therese of Lisieux. At the same time, it holds a confirmation and a renewal of the most fundamental and universal truth. For what truth of the gospel message is more fundamental and universal than this? That God is our Father and we are His children. We now begin Fountains of Grace with Donna Garrett. I would like to welcome to Fountains of Grace Father James Perez, a priest from the Congregation of the Legionaries of Christ. Father James, welcome to the program. I'm very happy to be here with you, and especially in this new series, um, speaking about St. Teresa on the way of trust and love. I think this is a very important um, title this, in this great book, especially on the theme of trust and love that we really need nowadays, because when we are taking away, we can see in our society, in the world that we live in, we're taking God outside of our lives, outside of society, and when we take God away, we are taking love and trust away, and we are left with discouragement and with fear. And it's a reminder for each one of us to remember that God, as St. Teresa in that quote that you just mentioned of John Paul II, that God is our Abba, our Father. Actually, Pope Francis, in his audience in April 10th, he said, It is the Spirit that we have received in baptism that teaches us. It urges us to say to God, Father, or better, Abba, which means Dad. And this is our God. He is a Dad for each one of us. So I think during this uh, conversation, uh, about Father Jacques Philippe's book, we see we will encounter a God who is love for us, a God in which we can trust and place uh, our true and a true love for Him. For those of us who have read Saint Therese's biography, we know she had a deep desire from a very early age to join the Carmelite order and live out her life as a nun. She finds herself, though, as ardent as her desire is face-to-face with her limitations. Father Philippe points out that at the time of St. Therese's upbringing, it was commonly held that sainthood was accessible only to those who lived extreme perfection, flooded by heroic graces. She saw her inability to live this type of holiness as great as the chasm between a mountaintop and a grain of sand. And I thought that it might be beneficial as we begin our study of St. Therese to also um, discuss the saints, the contemporary saints at the time of St. Therese, to help us understand why she felt that she um, would be limited in her ability to achieve sainthood. Actually, there are many, many saints during uh, St. Therese of Lisieux's lifetime. I mean, I just we I think it would be good just to focus on a couple of them. Uh, during that time, in we have in France uh, Marie Soubrou, who we all know very well for the operations of uh, Lourdes. And uh, she was born in 
1844 and died in 1879. Then we also have, and here in the United States, St. Francis Xavier Cabrini, uh, who was an Italian religious, and he and she is the first citizen of the United States to be canonized by the Catholic Church. So we see how really um, holiness is is not just for a few, but all of us are called to holiness. I also want to focus on a, a very special saint that sometimes is not well known, but is uh, is Saint Gemma Galgani. And there are a lot of similarities between both of these saints, St. Teresa of Lisieux and St. Gemma Galgani. Uh, they were both, uh, they were born only five years apart, St. Teresa in 1873 and St. Gemma in 1878. Both of them lost their mothers uh, in early childhood. Uh, both of them received First Communion in a, a very special and exceptional circumstances. Both died of tuberculosis, only five months apart in age. And they both strongly desired to enter religious life at a very young age. But I think both of them, one of them, actually, St. Gemma Calgani, received the stigmata. And, um, but we see here how she really a true love for God. Both of them, they have a true love for God, and I, I would like you, if you don't mind, to for our read, for our listeners, if you can read these two beautiful um, paragraphs from their autobiographies uh, about uh, when they received their first communion and how the great and deep love that they have for God. From the autobiography of Saint Gemma, dear Father, I do not know how to tell what passed between Jesus and me at that moment. Jesus made himself felt very strongly by my poor soul. I understood at that moment that the delights of heaven are not like those of the earth. I felt myself overcome by the desire to unite with God continually. I felt weary of the world more and more, and more disposed to recollection. It was that same morning that Jesus gave me the great desire to be a religious. Then from the autobiography of St. Therese, we read, how lovely it was, that first kiss of Jesus in my heart. It was truly a kiss of love. I knew that I was loved and said, I love you and I give myself to you forever. Jesus asked for nothing. He claimed no sacrifice. Long before that, he and little Therese had seen and understood one another well. But on that day, it was more than a meeting. It was a complete fusion. We were no longer two, for Therese had disappeared like a drop of water lost in the mighty ocean. Jesus alone remained, the Master and the King. Had she not asked him to take away her liberty, the liberty she feared, she felt so weak and frail that she wanted to unite herself forever to his divine strength. In reflecting on both of these saints and their passionate love for Jesus at a young age and their passionate experience of him through the Eucharist, it does help our readers understand a little bit in St. Therese's uh, maybe fear that her experience of Christ was maybe not of the same caliber of as a Bernadette of Subaru or a St. Ignatius of Loyola. Although Therese could have suffered discouragement and given up, she could also trust that her desire to be a saint was in her heart, and it was there because God had inspired it, and therefore it must be possible. 
So Father Philippe takes a moment to share with the readers then about the early life of St. Therese, and he reminds us of her mother's death at age four and how it affected her sympathetic nature in extreme ways until she was 14. Therese herself in her writing pinpoints a Christmas midnight mass in 1866 when the Lord inspired her to make an act of courage and overcome her hypersensitivity. Father Philippe does this in an effort to remind the reader that God may work a deep cure in us through totally insignificant events. Sometimes we are called by God to come out of ourselves and leave behind old crutches. And sometimes we are so caught up in our complaints, frustrations, dependencies, we are living a constant cycle of gloom. And then suddenly a day of grace arrives, a true gift from God, and we have a choice. We can, like St. Therese, accept the act of courage and be converted, or we can remain bound in our inner turmoil. When we make that act of courage to accept something that God is offering us, two things happen. We open the door to amazing grace, and we take our first steps on the road to trusting God. So I thought maybe we could take a moment here to talk about um, some examples of making an act of courage and its value in our spiritual life. Someone told me once that courage is fear that has said his prayers. And I think this is very fruitful for our own spiritual life because all of us experience fear in one moment or another during our life. But whenever we bring that fear to the tabernacle, whenever we bring that fear to the foot of the cross, and we place it in the heart of Christ, then we feel that courage. We feel the strength that comes from God to continue on, to move on, and to do amazing things. We have a great examples in the sacred scripture. Uh, during the Easter liturgy, when we go back to the Acts of the Apostles, there we encounter the apostles who were fearful after the death of Christ. But all of a sudden they receive from the Holy Spirit the gift of fortitude. And all of a sudden they come out with great courage and they are not afraid any longer. They are not afraid of preaching the name of Jesus, the name of Christ. And they go out and we see the consequences of, of this courage. In our 20th century, uh, we have great examples of courage. I'm sure many of you have watched the, the film uh, For Greater Glory. And there, during the Mexican Cristero Revolution, um, the Cristero War, we find Jose Luis Sanchez del Rio, a boy, a 12 year old, 12 years old, who gives his life for Christ the King, Viva Cristo Rey. And he gives his life um, for his faith. A boy, a great act of courage. Obviously, he felt the fear, the fear to be away from his, for his parents, the fear of losing his life. But he received a gift of courage from the Holy Spirit. We have, and from, I am from Spain, and for, for me, the, the civil war in Spain, the, it was very brutal. And then we have the martyrs of the civil war. Among them, we have 13 bishops, 4,184 priests, 2,365 men religious, and 283 women religious who give, gave their lives for Christ. And this takes an act of courage. Uh, remember that courage comes from the Latin word cord cordis, meaning heart. 
So, and the heart is an image of love, is an image of where our desires are kept. So, but it is Christ who is wants to come into our hearts and wants to transform those fears that could be present there and say, don't worry, I am with you. And this is the great gift, too, of the Holy Spirit, is the fortitude that ensures the firmness in difficulties and the constancy in the pursuit of the good. So this is so such an important uh, virtue in our spiritual life. And I want to end this by, by just re- remembering um, that beautiful quote from St. Paul. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor present things, nor future things, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we have Christ in our heart, that is what gives us courage in the midst of difficulties. So that's why this uh, virtue is so important in our own spiritual life. As Father Philippe goes on to outline St. Therese's early life, he talks to us about the three resolutions that Therese made when she received her First Communion. Her first resolution was, I will struggle against my pride. Her second, I will entrust myself to the Blessed Virgin each day through the Memorari. And the third will be, I will never get discouraged. So Therese herself, as she learns to... um, grow in her relationship with Christ and to make those acts of courage. She herself says we cannot change ourselves. We can make little efforts, but only God can really change us. And on this topic, she reminds us that we can't change other people either. Sometimes we wear ourselves out by trying to improve others. We need to accept them as they are. Little by little, they will grow. This is her secret to living in communities, in a family, or as a couple. Once Therese discerned her deep desire to become a saint and her inability to achieve that by the ways known to her, she set out to find her little way. In her manuscript C, also known as her autobiography, written in the year of her death, she writes, You know, Mother, that I have always desired to be a saint, but alas... I have always realized, when I compared myself to the saints, that there is between them and me the same difference as exists between a mountain whose summit is lost in the skies and to the obscure grain of sand trodden underfoot by passerbys. Instead of getting discouraged, I said to myself, God could not inspire us with desires that were unrealizable. So despite my littleness, I can aspire to holiness. It is impossible for me to grow up. I must put up with myself as I am, with all of my imperfections. But I want to find how to get to heaven by a little way that is quite straight, quite short, a completely new little way. We are in an age of inventions. Now one doesn't have to make the effort to climb up the stairway in rich people houses because an elevator does the work much better. I, too, would like to find an elevator to lift me up to Jesus, for I am too little to climb up the steep stairway of perfection. Then I looked into the holy books for some sign of the elevator that I desired, and I read these words that have come forth from the mouth 
of eternal wisdom. Whoever is very little, let him come to me. So I come, guessing that I have found what I saw, wishing to know, O oh my God, what you should do for a little child who answered your call. I continued my search, and this is what I found. As a mother caresses her baby, so I will comfort you. I will carry you at my breast and rock you in my lap. Isaiah 66, 13, 12. Never has such tender, melodious words come to a rejoice my soul. The elevator that would lift me to heaven in your arms, O Jesus, to reach perfection, I do not need to grow up. On the contrary, I need to stay little, to become more and more little. O oh my God, you have surpassed my expectations, and I wish to sing of your mercies. So Teresa's little way, which she pens as completely new, includes reading the Gospels in light of God as our Father, a Father whose love is infinite and whose mercy is limitless. Because love never tires, reading the Gospel every day brings new insights and new pathways to grow in holiness. Because love never tires, it never grows weary. We will never cease discovering the richness of God's love and mercy in his scriptures. So as Therese is writing in Above All, the Gospel that occupies me during my prayers, in it, I find everything needful for my soul in its poverty and littleness. There, I always discover new lights, hidden and mysterious meanings. The Bible is not a privileged possession of Protestants, says Father Philippe. Absolutely, all believers must be nourished on Scripture. It is particularly vital for today, and we should ask St. Therese to obtain this grace for us. We live in a world with a lot of confusion and many contradictory messages. One need only turn on the radio to realize this, and depending on the, the station or the wavelength, we can hear all the news in the world and be told in completely opposite ways. We are constantly bombarded with messages of every kind, and only God's Word passed on to us in a special way in Scripture has the necessary depth, clarity, and authority to help us find our way. Only Scripture enables us to discover the truth, not as something abstract, but as God's presence in our lives and the very specific way He offers us day after day. And I thought, Father James, that this would be a great opportunity to talk about one of the many gifts that the Regnum Christi spirituality has um, brought to my life and to the lives of the members in our daily practice of reading and meditating on the Gospels, because it's through that meditation of the Gospels that I came into contact uh, with an intimate relationship with Jesus. Well, we have to remember that the core of God's revelation is that he wants to tell us how much he loves us. At the beginning, in Genesis, we find God who wants to walk with man, with his creation. And he speaks with them. He wants to establish an intimacy with uh, his creature. And, uh, and this is very, very important in our own lives, because we find a God who wants to relate to us. He wants to form a beautiful relationship of love. And throughout the scriptures, what we see is this relationship of God with his creature. And we see the covenant that he forms with, uh, with man. We see a God who is faithful, a God who is love, a God who is constantly calling man to himself. So when we go to the scriptures and we find this God who really wants to uh, reveal himself to each one of us, 
So therefore, in our meditation, in our reading of the scripture, we find that this, we find this love, uh, we find a God who is infinitely showing his love for each one of us. And it's a God who constantly wants to reveal himself to us. So that's why in our prayer that the Gospels, not only the Gospels, but all the scriptures are uh, portray a God who is faithful, a God who establish a beautiful covenant of love with us. And it, it speaks to us. You can find always a passage in the scripture uh, that could help you in every moment of life. Um, I remember once I wanted to do, a, actually I wanted to do a prayer for a graduation. So I went to the scriptures and I, I just pulled out 10 different quotes from the scriptures and um, and wrote a little prayer of what God was telling uh, the graduates. And this is, I just took out 10 quotes from the scriptures, but look how how this, uh, this passage speaks to each one of us. Before I formed you in the wound, I knew you. Before you were born, I dedicated you. I appointed you. Because you are precious in my eyes, and I love you with an everlasting love. So fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Today I ask you to remember not the events of the past, the things of long ago. See, I am doing something new. So be brave and steadfast. Have not fear or dread, for it is I, the Lord your God, who marches with you. I will never fail you or forsake you. Arise, my beloved, my beautiful one, and come. Set me as a seal in your heart. And never forget that I know well the plans I have in mind for you. They are plans for your welfare and not for war. Plans to give you a future full of hope. When you call me, when you go to pray to me, I will listen to you. When you look for me, you will find me. Yes, when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me with you, because I am with you always, until the end of the age. So Therese's way is new because of her love of the scripture and her ability to find God as our love, God as our Father in the scripture. And she also believed that her way was new in a second sense because it brought to light for future generations the idea that holiness was not reserved only for those who manifested saintly attributes of ecstasies, miracles, or heroic undertakings, but those who, uh, but for anyone who desired to love God in extraordinary ways. And then the third way in which St. Therese's teaching is new is that for her personally, it represented a new phase in her life, a change in perspective. This happened several years after her entrance into Carmel when she admitted to her confessor that her sense of limitations and her inner spiritual dryness and how she perceived that this displeased God. And her confessor very wisely told her that her littleness did not displease God but attracted his fatherly love instead. So I thought that we could take a moment to talk about how often in our spiritual lives it seems that as the penitent we see our sins as a roadblock between us and God. 
and that um, sometimes our sins, especially our repeated offenses, are, are not so much a roadblock, but a pathway to greater reliance on God's love and mercy. We have to remember when the Christ was asked by one of the Pharisees, Master, what is the greatest commandment of all? He answered, Love thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, the key word here is all. And all means all. It encompasses everything. In our own spiritual life, that means also our sins, our faults. You might ask, well, how can we love God with our sins, with our faults? Well, in one sense, we can. How? Well, by placing those faults, those sins, into the hands of a merciful Father. Meaning that it is through them that we can see God's omnipotence. And that we really depend on him. Sometimes we have a misconception of what the sacrament of penance is. Because it's a great misunderstanding of God's merciful and infinite love for each one of us. For me, confession is not just a moment to go and to confess our sins. Actually, confession is a moment to tell Christ I want to love you more. It's like Peter. After he confessed his sins, he, he confessed that he denied our Lord for three times, but then he said, but Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And it is that, that, that is true, a true confession. It's not only to go and say, okay, I did this and I did, and I did the same thing last week or last month and, and, and sometimes it becomes a repetition of faults. But it's not that. It's an encounter with a God who loves me infinitely. And when I see the sacrament of confession in this way, it is, it is an amazing experience of God's mercy, of God's love. And therefore it also gives me the, the sacramental grace to continue on fighting in my own spiritual life. And uh, so, so I receive... Um, the courage that we spoke about before, to continue on walking, to continue on loving, to continue on being a faithful son. There's a beautiful image that St. Therese uh, speaks about in her autobiography about two children who offend uh, their father. And one of them escapes because he is fearful, but the other one goes to, to his father and says, Father, I have offended you. Please punish me. Punish me with a kiss. And that's our attitude when we go to confession. We say, yes, Lord, I, I have sinned. I am sorry for my sins, but I need your love. I need your mercy. I think that if we look at confession in this way, it could really be a tremendous source of uh, courage in our own spiritual life. You've been listening to Fountains of Grace, Reflections on Contemporary Spiritual Classics with Donna Garrett. In this particular series of episodes, Donna has been joined by Father James Perez discussing The Way of Trust and Love, a retreat guided by Father Jacques Philippe. To hear and or to download this episode along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com. Join us next time for Fountains of Grace, Reflections on Contemporary Spiritual Classics with Donna Garrett.